With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. the Sooner Nation podcast, Matt, along with Rich, and we're talking Oklahoma football recruiting, National Signing Day. The early period is coming up December 18th, and uh, Oklahoma has some big names in the fold right now on the 2020 recruiting class, but uh, maybe some big names coming in as well uh, in the next couple of days. We're going to jump all into that full-fledged. But I want to start out just just for a few minutes. If you guys listening in for recruiting information, will just bear with us. I feel like we need to talk a little bit about Oklahoma basketball. The Sooners have been off uh, following their last win uh, that came uh, um, against UNT on the road, 82-80, where they just you know kind of had to pull together in the in the final minutes of the game to to come away with the win. Now they're they're going to play the next two games on the road uh beginning this Saturday at Wichita State and then uh Creighton is after that. This is a Wichita State team that just handed it to Oklahoma State, uh, a team that had been um really making a lot of waves in the Big 12. Wichita State right now has a 75 to 63 loss to West Virginia. And then they have an 80 to 61 loss on the road in, uh, excuse me, 80 to 61 win on the road in Stillwater. Shocker sitting at eight and one. Oklahoma's are currently sitting at seven and one. Both teams are found in the others receiving votes category. Uh, when you look at the top 25, this is a big test for Long Kruger in Oklahoma. Always will be, considering some of the the most recent history. For Wichita State, they've put together some good teams. They've had some NBA-level talents on the roster. Oklahoma attempting to mirror some of that success that we've seen, pulling in guys like a Trey Young. Obviously, you've got some of these veterans, as we'll call them now, and in, in Brady Manick and Christian Doolittle, who are really carrying it, along with the third member of these guys who are experienced have a little bit of know-how on the on the collegiate basketball division one level with Austin Reeves. I'm looking at this is a return. This is the first time and, and only time that Austin Reeves is gonna face his former team, his former teammates, and it's going to be much closer to where Wichita State plays their home games than where Oklahoma plays their home games. It'll be an interesting matchup to see how those three names that I've mentioned fare in this contest, knowing that they have been a large, they've contributed the the majority of the production here. Well, Austin Reeves clearly is the guy I think everyone's going to be looking at in this game. Oklahoma's leading scorer, 17.6 points per game. He's also pulling down five and a half rebounds and dishing out almost two and a half assists. 
The thing about Austin Reeves, 43.6% from the floor, which is pretty good um, shooting percentage for this kid, who I think, to me, Oklahoma, when you look at the um, you look at the gravity of this class, this freshman class that they have led by Devion Harmon, um, I think they've gotten a bigger bang out of their buck with Austin Reeves than they initially thought they were going to get. And that's that can't be anything but positive because it's not like the freshman class, these young guys aren't aren't panning out. It's just Austin Reeves, I think, is a maybe not maybe not when we're talking long Kruger, but I'm talking about Joe Fan and really Joe Media. I think Austin Reeves has been better than expected. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's a large reason why Oklahoma has been successful and why guys like a Christian Doolittle continue to be productive or continue to post the numbers that they're going to post throughout the season. You look at a guy, Austin Reeves, who has the ability to stretch the floor, which opens things up for someone who likes to play a little bit closer to the basket, closer to the rim, really do a majority of the damage there in the paint, even if Doolittle is considered undersized by comparison. But when you add one of the the main ingredients that I would have said this Oklahoma team has been missing is a dominant force inside, someone who can bang bodies, pull down rebounds, get those second chance points, but can also make high percentage shots when the opportunity arises combined with a prolific shooter. I I think Oklahoma finally has that kind of a combination and they're going to continue to work other players into that outside of Reeves and Doolittle that are only going to make them better as the season goes on. Doolittle fresh off of a 28-point performance in that North Texas game last week, uh, averaging 16 points per game, pacing this team with eight and, uh, 8.4 rebounds per game. Uh, Austin Reeves still uh, leading this team not only in points, but also in minutes played, thirty just, just under 35 minutes per game. Does Lon Kruger, a week off, four finals, 7-1, does he have this team in position to go get a win on the road when this Wichita State game? <laughs> I think so. You look at the one thing, Matt, you've been to practice. I've been to some of the practices. Practice. N- not this year. Practice. But Man, we, we talking practice. Sorry. We know that effort. See, the younger guys like you don't get that, but that's totally Allen Iverson right there. Dude, you've got to be kidding that me. That was right my Allen Iverson you've got impression. You've to be kidding me. Practice. Us man, we younger talk, guys. We talking practice, so, man. So I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. Man, I have the alternate jersey with the number three and the Iverson on the back and the star on the front. Yeah, but you didn't know about Sixers. practice. And then I had the shoes, the <laughs> Iverson shoes. Yes, Matt. Right, I knew Oklahoma, about about Oklahoma, practice. Wichita no, 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 no. Let, no, let, let, let me let me let me let me answer this question. Let me answer this question, okay? Because um, the big thing it, it's it manifests itself in deflections, takeaways. But Lon Kruger consistently preaches to this team effort. It's it's that hustle, and I believe when this group. And it's a young group now, but when they continue to buy into that, it's why they're going to be a surprise team here in the Big 12. But I also think it's a reason why they're capable, why they have the talent, and they have obviously the coaching to go on the road and earn a big win like this one. 
Well, let me tell you what scares me about this game. If you look at the two teams statistically, they pretty much mirror one another. Oklahoma 76.5 points per game. Wichita State 76.7 points per game. Sooner shooting 45% from the floor. Wichita State almost 42% from the floor. Oklahoma four blocks per game. Wichita State 4.4 blocks per game. Oklahoma 6.6 steal. I mean, it is just Wichita State 7.9. They're both on a two-game winning streak. These two teams... When you look at the statistics of it, they they mirror one another, but it's the game is played in Wichita, Kansas, not normal Oklahoma, and that's what bothers me. Yeah, let me ask this one question because we can look at the concerns. We don't have a large sample size, but gener- generally speaking, when it comes to Oklahoma, when it comes to this specific team, they've had sluggish starts where it's been a very close game through the first 20 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes of the game, something happens and Oklahoma begins to pull away. That didn't necessarily happen against North Texas as Oklahoma trailed mm-hmm. for a majority of the game before finally claiming a tie and eventually the lead there in the final few minutes. Is it when we look at Wichita state, when we look at Oklahoma, is it something that's concerning these sluggish starts, but these phenomenal final 10 minutes? No, game? I think I think it, it speaks of two things. I think it speaks of uh, first of all the the youth of this team. You know, uh, Doolittle's the only senior, Brady Manick being a junior, um, and then you, you've got so so many young guys, including Austin Reeves, who's who's still a young guy, only in his second year of playing at this level, first year playing for Oklahoma. So I think there's a little bit of 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 the um, filling the other team out type of factor. And I think some of us coaching with Lon Kruger trying to figure out what he's going to do uh, adjustments that he needs to make based off of how the teams are playing him. And Lon Kruger has been just phenomenal at that um, this season. And so I think it's, it's a little bit of both. And, but again, I, I, Wichita state six and zero at home this season, I, I, this game bothers me. It worries me. I, I think it sets up for Oklahoma to um, to either get a really, really big win or a loss that, that most people say, yeah, we saw that coming. Let me give you the stats here in the final 10 minutes. During Oklahoma's seven wins, 62% shooting from the field, 55% from beyond the arc. And that's just, like I said, the final 10 minutes of play. If this game is close and Oklahoma can replicate those numbers, we're looking at Anywhere that's less than double digits in terms of a lead, whether that's Wichita State or whether that's Oklahoma heading into the final 10 minutes, I like Oklahoma's chances. But again, it's predicated on replicating those types of numbers when it comes to field goal percentages. Oklahoma, Wichita State, ESPN 2, 5 o'clock tip-off Saturday night. Basketball's on the road to Wichita. Football's making preparations to be on the road to Atlanta in the Peach Bowl against LSU in the college football playoff. If you don't have tickets to either one and you want them, we know exactly your source to go get those tickets. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the in the section and row of your choice, all within the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. 
Now, when it comes time to buy, we've got you hooked up. New users can enter the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, the promo code OVERTIME at checkout, and you can receive a discount of up to $100 on your purchase. Early signing day for football begins on December 18th. Oklahoma currently has 19 players committed for the 2020 class. That will grow uh, before December 18th and certainly before the uh, the actual National Signing Day uh, date in February. Sooners currently rank number 10 nationally with their 2020 class, number two in the Big 12. I think those numbers will both change as well. Oklahoma's 2020 class is currently comprised of seven different positions from nine different states, 12 four-star recruits, seven three-star recruits. Rich, when you look at this 2020 class and you see the, the guys that are there, who are some of the guys that stand out to you? Obviously, you've got to look at the the top-ranked recruit of the Oklahoma class, which is Jace McClellan. A lot of people were speculating whether Oklahoma would be able to land two top-tier running backs Ultimately, looking at the Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan duo that landed on campus at the same time, played at the same time, had a lot of success in different areas, different facets of the game because of the running style and the, the complementary game that each brought to the field for each other. Jace McClellan, I, I believed, was the first piece of that puzzle, and myself included, there were a handful, okay, more than a handful of people who thought Oklahoma would kind of go up the ladder and get one of these guys who is in the top five when it comes to running back rankings for this 2020 class. That didn't necessarily happen, but I, I still believe Oklahoma got a quality second option with Seth McGowan dropping down. He's the 13th ranked running back in this class. Could very easily be that one-two punch once again, Samaj P. Ryan, not extremely highly recruited, not one of these top. Was he a top 10? I say that, and, and I want to go back and double check it now. But when I look at, at the work ethic and guys who are not afraid of competition, that's what I think of when you sign on to be a running back at the University of Oklahoma. But I, I believe it had to be a priority for the offense as well. When you look at the potential for Trey Sermon to opt for the NFL despite the injury, as well as Kennedy Brooks opting for the NFL. There's not a lot of experienced runners in the backfield all of a sudden. It gives you an opportunity to make a name, to make a statement there as a young player, whether that's as a, a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, I don't care. But you have that opportunity to make that statement. And that's what I believe that these guys, McClellan and McGowan, are signing on for. So you're saying Candy Brooks is gone after the next I'm not season? saying that he's gone, but I think if he gets a high enough grade, it's 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 an easy yes for him. Samaja P. Ram, by the way, uh, number 14 ranked running back in that class, uh, 31st ranked running back uh, in 2014 from the state of Texas. Um, I mean, compared to to guys like Joe Mixon and others who had who have Adrian Peterson who have come into Oklahoma. Uh, you know, highly ranked as the top guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I see your point there. For for me, when I look at this class and I look at the the 19 guys that are committed, 
I'm more interested in the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think Oklahoma, we're going to talk about quarterbacks here in just a little bit, but I think Oklahoma, you know, they're set at quarterback for the foreseeable future. Um, they're set at receivers with that, that huge class that came in last season of receivers. Um, I, I, I like the fact that their offensive line is young. I love the fact that Bill Beanbow has five offensive linemen in this class that's coming in in 2020, but Alex Grinch and what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball, that's really where I'm kind of going, man, because I've, I've been saying all along since Alex Grinch was hired that this team has to, it's not just the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. That's one of the oldest sayings uh, when it comes to sports. But, I mean, you got to have a personnel turnover. You know, you we've talked about that. We, we've talked about the value of, of these younger guys, these Grinch guys that are recruited specifically for Grinch. And, and we've seen that uh, play out on the field this season in, in a couple of positions where, where the freshmen have stepped on and, and had big, big games or big seasons for Oklahoma. Um, you know, you can think defensive end and quarterback positions are, are two that immediately come to mind when you think about that. But this is a defensive class right now, our defensive recruiting class right now, it's got five defensive linemen and two linebackers, one defensive back. Reggie Grimes, four-star kid um, out of Brentwood, Tennessee, is one that I'm looking at. Weak side defensive end, 6'3", almost 6'4", 6'3 242 pounds. This kid has definitely got my attention uh, when we talk. You know, you, you pulled out Jason McClellan as that top running back, kind of the crown jewel offensively. I look at Reggie Grimes, and I, I think what he, what this kid has the potential to do uh, on the defensive side of the ball. He's only been a commitment for less than a month now. Uh, number two ranked player in the state of Tennessee, number six at his position. I think sky's the limit for this kid, and uh, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fan of what uh, it's coming down to for him. Uh, when you look at his offer sheet, you, you see kids got 21 total offers. That includes schools like Tennessee. Obviously, that's the home team uh, for him. Ole Miss, Alabama. I mean, the SEC is all over this kid. Florida State, um, Clemson wanted him. Um, you know, Ohio State, Penn State. I mean, it's not like Oklahoma just found a diamond in the rough with this guy. They found a diamond that everybody knew about, and the Sooners were able to land him. And uh, that's that's what I look at when whenever we talk about this class because everybody knows about the offensive side of the ball. Lincoln Riley <laughs> just has it rolling offensively, but de- this to me this is a huge uh, class for the defensive side of the ball because it will be a full recruiting cycle for Alex Grinch and and Odom and and those guys uh, to be able to come in here and do their thing. Now when you look at this breakdown of Oklahoma's 2020 class, the 19 commitments that they have to to this point. You've got two running backs that you've talked about. I mentioned the five offensive linemen. There's four at receiver, which just blows my mind when you look at the receiving class that they got in 2019 to have four guys already uh, commitments for 2020. And then we talked about the defense, three defensive linemen, two linebackers, one defensive back. You got two guys that are listed as special teams guys right now. There's no quarterback here. Oklahoma has an offer out. But there's well, no, they got plenty of offers well, out. They have a, a one who's uncommitted, a specific offer out to get a kid who's still available. And, oh, by the way, his dad was just hired by Auburn to be the offensive coordinator. the 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 question here, when you talk about this position, Chandler Morris, the quarterback out of Dallas, Texas, that we're talking about, Chad Morris's dad. 
if he were to go to Auburn, like a lot of people are saying now, if he were to go to Auburn, does Oklahoma Auburn just, or Arkansas? No, Auburn. His dad he was going. His dad was the head coach at Arkansas, and they got oh, okay, fired, okay. and now he's offensive coordinator at Auburn. Point. But the question is this, though: if they lose out on Chandler Morris, does does Oklahoma get a quarterback? Do they need a quarterback for 2020? I feel like I am going to be in the minority You're here with, say no, aren't with you? my statement. I am going to say no. I, I don't think it's an absolute need. Is it an oddity that Oklahoma, a, a program, by the way, who has produced back-to-back Heisman winners, back-to-back number one picks overall, number one overall picks in the draft, is it odd for them not to have a commitment not to have an offer out there with even some kind of leaning towards Oklahoma, it is an oddity. It's something that's very rare, and it's something that's very unexpected. However, you have to look at the 2020 class and recognize that these are ultimately kids who are saying, I'm willing, they have to be, they have to say this up front, I'm willing to, Step into a situation and compete for a starting job with one person that many people, a majority, an overwhelming majority, are excited about, which is Spencer Rattler. And the guy who's potentially coming in behind you in the 2021 class, Brock Vandegrift. There's not many people that would be willing to step into that kind of a situation. And so it's an oddity that Oklahoma doesn't have a commitment. It's an oddity that they don't even have someone who's leaning and the crystal ball projections that 247 Sports puts out. There's not even a quarterback that's leaning towards Oklahoma at this point in time. You're giving me this weird face, so tell me what you're thinking. Well, I think Chandler Morris, uh, the last, I, and I, honestly, I haven't looked at it recently, but look up Chandler Morris. I think their crystal ball still had him. With Oklahoma, and now, again, I, I could be wrong on that, but the last I looked, when I wrote the article about his dad uh, going to Auburn, I, I thought they had him still favored for Oklahoma. But that said, Oklahoma currently has six quarterbacks on the roster. Jalen Hurts, uh, senior, he's gone. Connor McGinnis, senior, he's gone. Everybody expects Spencer Rattler as a redshirt freshman to step in and be the next guy for this program. But here's the thing. If Spencer Rattler is that good, which most people think he is, I think he's going to be pretty dang good. If he's that good where he just kind of takes the reins of this program as a redshirt freshman, when you're when you're with Lincoln Riley for three years, you're going to the NFL. Plain and simple. So if – I mean, heck, just give him two, right? Well, I think I, – I mean <laughs> – I think three. Historically, I mean, just, Matt, I, we've got two years. Well, I mean, Baker, years. Was, Baker was three. Kyler was one. Jalen was well, one. Kyler Murray sat um, out, so he was but, there for a year. But the, but, but the point I'm making as, as a starter, you know, mm-hmm. um, because three years, in three years, Spencer right. Rattler will have graduated. Right. There's no need to stay around if you're as good as advertised. So you're off to the NFL. So you can sign a guy like Morris, goes through a red shirt next year, and then competes with – I mean, we're talking three years later before Vandergriff is competing with anybody for this starting quarterback position. You never know what's going to happen in three years. That said, I also believe there's a really, really good chance that you're going to see 
you know, Mordecai, Schaefer, some of these guys, you know, Schaefer is a redshirt junior this year. He's got one year left. I, I, Schaefer's not, Tanner Schaefer's not going to be a guy. The spring competition, the way things hold right now, the spring competition will be between Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai. So if you're Tanner Schaefer, what are you thinking? I have no chance here. I got one year of eligibility left. Why not go play somewhere? Why, why not go to Arkansas State? Why not go down to Division Two? Why not go somewhere where you can play for one more year, uh, your final year of college football? Um, so I and then I think there's a chance. I mean, look, every, everybody. The, here's the thing with Lincoln Riley. Some people love this. Some people hate it. I'm kind of indifferent because you see through the cracks. But the, Lincoln Riley's not going to name a starting quarterback based off of the last two quarterback competitions we've seen. You know, Austin Kendall going up against Kyler Murray. Everybody knew. Everybody knew Kyler Murray was going to be the starting quarterback, right? Jalen Hurts versus Tanner Mordecai. Everybody knew Jalen Hurts was going to be the starting quarterback. But Lincoln Riley doesn't make that announcement until the week of classes starting. And here's the reason why. It's strategical. It's good form. But it's, you know, you, you, you do it because you can't transfer and play immediately after you've started classes. Makes sense. But you know who has been in on those last two quarterback competitions is Tanner Mordecai. Tanner Mordecai knows what's up. If Tanner Mordecai can't have a clear advantage over Spencer Rattler after the spring, again, this, you're, you're talking about a kid who's going to be a redshirt freshman, and you're Tanner Mordecai. You don't have enough time to wait him out if you want to play on this level. Tanner Mordecai was, was not just a slouch as far as his recruiting goes. Kid was a pretty highly rated prospect. I, all I'm saying is I think there's a good chance – Tanner Mordecai transfers. I think there's a good chance Tanner Schaefer transfers. That that shortens the 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 number of seats in that quarterback room vastly. And if you're a kid like Chandler Moore sitting around, you're talented, you're a four-star recruit. I'm listening to Lincoln Riley. All due respect to my dad in Auburn. You got Bo Nix going on at Auburn. You got the same thing. The guy's going to be a sophomore next year. I mean, you're sitting somewhere. Wherever you're going, you're sitting. When you look at what Lincoln Riley's done the last three years, just the last three years alone with quarterbacks, I love you, Dad, but I, I see three, four years, really, because Baker went Baker went twice before he won it, didn't he? Didn't Baker go three years in a row to New York City? No, he went twice. He goes Baker and Dee, and then Baker won it. That's right. And then Kyler, and then Jalen Hey, Dad, I love you, man. Good luck in Auburn, but I I see what Lincoln – Lincoln Riley's in New York City every year. That's where I'm going. That's just me thinking. I think I think if Morris does end up in Auburn, they're going after a quarterback. I, I don't see them not getting a quarterback in this class. They may go for a stopgap. It's a JUCO kid that can come in for two years. They've got to build depth. You got six. You're losing two. Potential of losing two more through transfer. I say they're going after somebody. Um, and uh, and and you might as well take the best option, which is Chandler Morris. Okay. So we're just going to leave it at that. Disagree. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have nothing to add to it because you, you make a valid point. And the reality of this situation is Oklahoma should take a quarterback. When we look at want versus need – I'm looking at it from the perspective of, is it a necessity? 
And I'm, I'm saying no, but at the same time, you bring up the point of depth and you want to have depth at that position. You don't want to have to pull in a wide receiver who just happened to play quarterback in high school and throw them into the fire and hope that something works out. Now, Oklahoma has done that in the past and it produced with Thompson produced a big 12 championship by the way, but it's not an well, ideal, was a, but he was a high school quarterback. I mean, he was a quarterback right. a lot longer in his career than right. he was a wide receiver. I'm, I'm just saying but it's not an is, ideal the situation in the fall camp. He was a receiver. It's not an ideal situation. I'm saying it's happened in the past. So should you take a quarterback? If you're the Oklahoma Sooners and you're looking at the 2020 recruiting class, absolutely. Is it a necessity? I don't believe so. I, I don't I, think they're losing two to transfer either, though. But I mean, so that's debatable. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I, mm-hmm. You would at least admit there's a possibility of, of it. one. Of who? Of one. You don't think Mordecai's leaving if no, he doesn't if, win? If, if Mordecai leaves, he would be the one. I don't think Schaefer's going anywhere. Yeah. Look, Schaefer, correct me if I'm wrong, Schaefer's a walk-on, no? Yeah. Why would you come as a walk-on if you didn't intend to, to play your career there? Because, just, listen, Morde- Mordecai, Schaefer had two scholarship I, offers, Matt. One was to Ohio and the other was to Tulsa. If he wanted to prove himself and not have to pay to go to school, he could have chosen one of those options and had a, a much better shot at being the number one quarterback on those rosters. But we know that's not the case. Instead, like I said, this, this is how I'm reading it. Schaefer's a walk-on at the University of Oklahoma and is is content with the role that he's playing. Maybe so. I'm, I'm just looking, again, I, these guys, you, you look at your... You look at the, the the talent around you. You look at the competitive fire, and you want to play. You want. I mean, for some guys, it's okay just to be on a roster and say I played college football. Some guys want that fire. They they want that, and you know you're not getting it at the University of Oklahoma. So, I, I mean, look if you if you can be a four year walk on, and and be on the team, you've got some value. That's why I said. That's why I said. That's why I didn't say he's going to go to Ohio State or he's going to go to Texas Tech. I said, you know, you take a step down, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, well, but I think o- he'll have value at a different level. Oklahoma's got five offers out of the quarterback position. We've mentioned the only one, Morris, who has yet to give a verbal commitment to a school. Oklahoma is either slow playing someone and they're going to make a hard push after the 18th to get that guy or they're just not going to sign one. That That's where I sit. And you're, I know that you disagree with that, and that's A-OK, but that's where I sit. I would just be 100% shocked if there's not a quarterback in this class. Well, we'll see if those JUCO offers come out anytime soon. Yet to see one on the list. Let's talk about the needs for Oklahoma in, in this class. I think there's two needs um, that they have that they've got to address in this class. For me, one of those needs is the quarterback spot. I've already I've already made my case for the quarterback spot. You've made your case against the quarterback spot. You hate Lincoln Riley. You hate quarterbacks. And all and you, things Oklahoma. And you would rather them just go back and run the wishbone and just get all these running backs. <laughs> um, I have another need, but since I've already mentioned quarterbacks, give me um, – by the way, that was – if you just now tuned into the podcast, I don't know why you would tune it at this point. That was all just fabricated by me. Um 
Give me a spot or, or a top a yeah. top need in this class. I, I've actually got five. Whoa, I've um, got two. I, I rank them. <laughs> I, I rank them from one to five in, okay. in spots that I you, believe Oklahoma you needed did much to better than me. Yeah, and, I got and, two. In what Oklahoma needed to address with this specific recruiting class, I think there are two that are are well above any of the other positions. The first one that I'm looking at specifically is a de- defensive tackle mm-hmm. position. You get Perrion Winfrey, a JUCO guy, number one JUCO coming out this year and, and looking for a new home. He's verbally committed to Oklahoma. He fills that role of a defensive tackle, but you've got to look at what you're losing as well. Neville Gallimore, Dylan Famaatu. Good as, job on that. Yeah, by the yeah, way. yeah. As well as Marquise Overton. Mm-hmm. There's been so many Marquises who have had a starring role on this roster. Had to process really quickly which one I was throwing out there. But you've got three defensive tackles, defensive linemen in general, that you're losing. Now, I get that some of these defensive ends are young, but you want to fill that spot in the middle. And I believe Oklahoma is attempting to address that. They're hosting Ellison this weekend, another guy who's a plug-and-play, Juco ranks, that you are looking at mainly for depth if Perry and Winfrey pans out as many expect them to. But the number one, number one singular position I think that Oklahoma needs to address is that defensive tackle. Yeah, I'm with you. That that was actually I, – I, I said I had two spots. I had the mm-hmm. defensive tackle spot and the quarterback spot. I think Perry and Winfrey, you mentioned him already. Uh, I think that's, that's an immediate um, need and, and an immediate answer. I mean, he comes in – He's going to be a little bit more developed than what a, a, a 18, 19 year old kid would be uh, just because he has that junior college um, resume or background with him. Uh, we've seen junior college kids come in and have success. We've seen junior college kids come in and be a bust. And so the, you know, the, the jury's out, but there's a reason why everyone, uh, everyone wants Perry and Winfrey on their team. And uh, it's a huge get for Oklahoma to already have him committed to this 2020 class. All right. So you've got like 20 more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's um, we we don't up. have to go through all of them. Uh, I mean, at least, um, at least hit them. The, the other thing that I'm looking at here on the defensive side of the ball, I believe that's where a majority of the needs are at this point in time. And a lot of it's because of the depth. We can look at the depth specifically in the secondary, not as much at the cornerback position as it is at safety, but across the board, I believe depth is a need. I'm, like I said, looking more specifically at that safety position. Oklahoma is young at the position, but it, let's just play this scenario with all of the attrition that's happening and the players who are entering the transfer portal from the defensive side of the ball. Let's just play this scenario in our head. If the if if Turner Yell gets injured, who steps in and fills that role? There, there are a couple of guys that you could throw up for sure, but none of them have that experience. And you're looking really at that 2019 recruiting class, stepping in and, and immediately filling what a lot of people are, are considering to be an increasingly strong point of this defense. I'm looking at just the secondary, like I said, specifically the safeties. And that's the question that I'm asking is, is where's the depth at? So I believe Oklahoma needs to address that depth at safety. Defensive tackle was number one. I put quarterback number two, which I know is going to surprise you after my argument here. It makes here. no sense. Be- but I'm saying, look, I'm looking at it as a coach, not as a fan, not as myself. 
and saying that's a, a point that you need to address. The number. By the way, three, I, I, can can we just pause for mm-hmm. a second? Yeah, because yeah. I, I was just thinking about your your safety uh, question. You know, if DTL goes down, you know, DTL Pat feels both sophomores. But here's a name that a lot of people have forgotten. Robert Barnes is a junior. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremiah Cradell, a, a a kid who came in as a part of that class last year. Uh, Justin Broyles, who has gotten some playing time this year, and right. is probably from from what people say, uh, probably one of the top trash talkers uh on the team based <laughs> off of what people say about him um but a guy that a guy that a lot of people forget about freshman is going to take a red shirt this uh ty Dearman. um you know he was he was a kid that a lot of people wanted uh he was 54 he was the country's 54th ranked athlete by rivals uh 24/7 had him at number 63 ESPN had him at number 67 regardless he's a top 70 kid uh nationally um and um Arizona State wanted him Arkansas wanted him Wisconsin wanted him um and so and I messed up his last name it's Dearman um but the point is the, that's a kid that that they're they're putting some weight on they're they're getting him you know they're they're working on him I think he has a future. So I'm not, I, I get I'm not saying, saying that about, he doesn't. I get what you're saying about the safety mm-hmm. job. I I don't think it's as big of a need. I guess is is what I'm saying. Not, not I'm not saying don't go out and get some because clearly mm-hmm. they are. They're going after defensive backs in this right. class. But I don't think the cupboard is as bare. Particularly guys like Dearman, they get this next spring under them. Um, yeah, whatever. You know, you know me in names. Um, but the point is. They get another. They get a spring under their belt. They've already got a fall camp. They've already got a season. You get a spring. You get another fall camp. The cupboard is not bare at the safety position. Right. Is what it's, I'm saying. It's largely unproven. Okay, and, I'll give you that. And, except and for I'll give you that. Except for the guys, guys like Justin Broyles. The guys who have more playing time under their belt are the guys who got injured this year. Mm-hmm. It poses that question. I mean. You do have to have the next guy ready, which just so happened to be Pat Fields, and it happened to be Turner Yell for this season. Like I said, would still like to see a little bit of depth, quality depth that can step in and play at the level that these two have played throughout the season. That extends to the cornerbacks, Matt. They're they're not just completely off the list. They're not being let go in this conversation. Right. It's an issue there as well. We've seen really three cornerbacks step onto the field, Jaden Davis, Parnell Motley, and, and Trey Brown. Those have been the three names, if you've been watching the cornerbacks, that you know because they've received a majority of the playing time. Have they been perfect? No. Have they had their struggles? Yes, but have they done a quality job, a job good enough to provide wins for the Oklahoma Sooners this year? Absolutely. They're lumped into this. It's not just the safeties. And I'm looking at where are the offers going when Oklahoma begins scouring the nation for the next crop of recruits that they would like to bring in and have them don the crimson and cream. The majority of those offers, Matt, you know they're going to the defensive side of the ball, but it's specifically the defensive line. And it's it's the secondary. It's the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, two areas of concern. I'm not making it up. The, the coaching staff is doing the exact same thing. Maybe not using the same words, but they're doing the same thing that I'm saying. So I'm just going to move on down the list here. Well, I sorry, because I, I have to interject. Yeah, I, I got to jump in here. I, I I agree. Corner is a is 
a lot thinner mm-hmm. than the safety position. And when we're talking about safeties, we, we didn't include guys, you know, like Buki, uh, you know, that are Trey, you know, Trey Norwood, who's out for the season, Jordan Parker, those guys who are just kind of, they, they can float, they can float around anywhere, but they're used mostly as nickels. There's a lot of depth there at the nickel. I mean, at the corner, at the safety position, and one one dude that we didn't talk about that we didn't mention, and that's my bad, was Jamal Morris, a freshman out of the Houston area. He is a top twenty-five safety last year coming out of high school. I I get what you're saying about corner. <laughs> I'm just jumping back and saying that's a position that you're you're only right now you're five deep on your roster. You're losing mm-hmm. two of them. One guy that no one's ever heard of unless you followed this team and you just memorize the roster. You know, Robert Charlton, a 5'10", 187 redshirt senior from Edmond. He and Motley are gone, which leaves you three. So that's a position that I would say is a position of great right. need in this class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking, the number three one that I had was at the center position. I know that Creed Humphrey will receive a high grade for the NFL draft, but ultimately centers are not, the NFL is not spending a ton of money to pick up a center that hurts Creed Humphrey. He may, (laughs) we, here's what we do know is that, that we're potentially keeping Creed Humphrey through the 2020 season, highly doubtful for 2021. I think that's a legitimate possibility. I I, I think he's back. I, mm-hmm. I I think earlier in the season, you know, you go back even two months ago. Right. I, I think there's that chance that mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to grade out high enough. He's still going to grade out high, but this is a guy that could one more year under his belt mm-hmm. can be a top ten pick. I, I agree. And, and so I think he comes back and, for that. And, and that's why I threw in the disclaimer of the NFL's not just throwing money at centers specifically. They're, they're looking at other positions along the offensive line, specific to the blind side of their quarterback. Needless to say, you do have to address that situation at some point in time. Who comes in? It, it would be beneficial if you could get a guy this year, quality player at the center position, who could learn under a Creed Humphrey mm-hmm. next year and then step in and fill that role as a redshirt freshman or get playing time as a redshirt freshman and then take over in a starting role as a sophomore. So the center's uh, a position I would like to see Oklahoma address. We've mentioned the defensive backs, which was number four on my list. And and then number five was the rush linebacker. Oklahoma, obviously, we can look at linebackers as a whole, to be honest with you, because the potential for Kenneth Murray to declare for the NFL draft is extremely great at this point in time, unless he just wants to win a national championship and it doesn't happen this year. I don't know that he'll get a better shot than he has this year. We'll talk about that later down the road when we start reviewing LSU and Oklahoma, but you've got to look at, like I said, that rush linebacker. Oklahoma's got some quality players on the roster who can fill that role. They brought in some from the previous recruiting class, but I'd like to see we had the Eric Strikers. Where have those guys been? The guys that have really made their living in the backfield by being a guy who simply puts that pressure on the quarterback. Of those neat positions, something that stands out to me, Oklahoma currently has five offensive linemen um, for this 2020 class, one defensive back. Hey, I just want you to know those offensive linemen, majority of them are guards, side note, but at their position, they're ranked inside the top six. Three of them are ranked inside the top six at their position. How crazy is that? Well, 
again, it, it's like um, it's it's like Lincoln Riley with quarterbacks. You see what Bill Biedenboe is doing mm-hmm. with offensive linemen. Why would you not want to be, you know, why would you not want to come play for Bill Biedenboe? Nate Anderson, the top offensive guard in the 2020 class. Andrew Rame, uh, the top um, the second offensive guard in the 2020 class. Aaron Parks, the number six offensive guard in the 2020 class. Did you, you just say a Aaron? No, I said Aaron. Oh. Uh, um, My bad. When you when, <laughs> when you move to the tackle position, uh, Harris uh, Anton Harrison and Noah Nelson. Uh, Harrison top 21 in the tackle position and uh, Nelson number 38 in the tackle position. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of talent coming in on the offensive line. Um, so it leads us to the question of who do we expect to show up on this uh, on this um, 2020 class? Who are some names of some guys who have not yet committed, uh, but they but they we think that they will. We're going to look into our own crystal ball, if you would, and say <laughs> this kid is coming to the University of Oklahoma. There were three that I feel comfortable about. I think there's a couple more defensive backs out there that ultimately I'm like, yeah, they're going to sign. They're going to commit with Oklahoma. But there's three names out there that I feel pretty confident about. You probably got 30 names because you no, totally, not, you totally outplayed not at me all. On, on the positions of need. How many names do you have? What I have you, two. Okay, good. I have three. I've got more than you. All right, so I'm gonna throw uh, I'm gonna throw one out there. Uh, well, you 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 go first. Okay. One of the guys that I believe Oklahoma will will ultimately sign, whether that's the 18th of this month or whether that's the first week of February. I don't know, but a guy Oklahoma hosted seemed like they had a good connection, seemed like this specific prospect began leaning heavily towards Oklahoma. Just from what I was reading was Justin Harrington at the cornerback position. I think he's a guy that Oklahoma, because we talked about the depth, the need of for depth in that secondary, Mm -hmm. he's a guy who has experience on the collegiate level. He's got a a college strength body, however you would like to label that. He possesses that already and is more of a plug and play guy than anyone I think that Oklahoma is bringing from the Juco ranks besides Perry and Winfrey. When I'm looking at who could Oklahoma potentially get, he's at the top of my list. I'm going to go with uh, staying in the defensive secondary cornerback Kendall Dennis out of Lakeland, Florida. I think he's coming to the University of Oklahoma. He's got multiple offers. Obviously, um, I, I, you know his list is is narrowed down. I think he's I think he's coming to OU. Okay. Give me your second, because I think we're gonna have one. I think maybe your second one. That's why I let you go first, because I think your second one, we're we're both gonna have the same guy. Maybe, maybe not. I, I'm looking at Josh Ellison, a guy that Oklahoma recently decommitted, officially decommits from Texas A&M. Josh Ellison is then having a visit with the coaching staff, Lincoln Riley, to be specific. Receives an offer. On the 10th, he tweets out that he'll be announcing. On the 10th, Lincoln Riley tweets out the eyes. It it just feels as though the pieces 
quickly began to fall into place. However, Ellison wanted that limelight, wanted the moment where he could make a big announcement and make a big deal about it. And hats off to him for, for doing that. I think each of these recruits should have that moment, regardless if they're coming out of high school, if they're coming from the JUCO ranks. Ellison's that guy. We talked about the need of defensive tackles. He He's the second of my two on my list. Yeah, well, he he's my second guy is as well, and um, I knew it. Did well, that's why I, I knew we had one that was right. Gonna, did you see the picture of him uh, and his Auburn visit? I did not. It, it was I put it on the because uh, I wrote an article about Ellison uh, for Heartland Sports, and um, yeah, I put it on there. He it's a picture with him and Gus Malzahn. Yeah, at least go to Heartland Sports and look at this Heartland-Sports.com under our Oklahoma content. Um, oh, I tell you what, you're are you going there now? I am. Yeah, I, I want you. Uh, People at back home are um, listening on this podcast, going, "Okay, what what are you guys doing to me?" Um, find it was after the Big Twelve Championship that I posted that, so it shouldn't be that far down to look for. Um, right there, and look at the photo with him and Gus Malzahn on his recruiting trip to Auburn. I did see that. <laughs> I I had forgotten, but I did see that so for those of you who are listening and are not able to look it's a picture of him and guess malzon and um and ellison is wearing an oklahoma sooners hoodie on his auburn visit to me that's that's kind of all you need to know about where this kid stands right now i think i think what it stands what what it's telling me hey oklahoma's where i want to go okay guess malzon tell me why i should go um tell me why i should go somewhere else you know oklahoma's got it you, I mean, they, they they offered him right after the Big 12 championship. They they they're in heavy on this kid. There's a lot of momentum there. So someone else is going to have to beat beat Oklahoma out. I don't know that it's going to happen. I, I I agree. I know he's coming to Norman um, this week, and I think a commitment is going to. And yeah, I agree with you because I'm saying the visit to Norman is really just to seal the deal. Well, look, I Tuesday we'll know on Twitter. My um. My son, you know this, my son was uh, a high school athlete who got to play football, got to play football in college, and got to make those recruiting trips. And that's something that I still, as a, I mean, my son's 23 now and married, um, and that's, that's his past life. But as a father, that senior year of high school, going on some of those trips with him and watching him interact with the coaches, watching him get recruited – seeing how those things happen, those are good memories. I, I I have no problem with the kid going to Auburn when it looks like he's coming to Oklahoma or taking all of his official visits, taking that limit um, before he makes his announcement. I got no problem with it um, because you don't get that back. That said, I, I still think, you know, that doesn't change my mind where as to where I think he's going to end up uh, playing his college football. All right, I've got one more, and it's a kid that we've already talked about in this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. You want to guess who it is? Not a clue. We've man. already mentioned his name. In fact, we had a lengthy conversation. Chandler over. Morris. I Chandler know. I was Morris. just kidding. I was just kidding. <laughs> I, think, I knew where you were going immediately think, uh, with your three. I think Chandler Morris is coming to the University of Oklahoma. I, I to me, it's just it's it comes down to a business decision, and I know what is. I know mm-hmm. what Auburn is. I I know that brand of football. I also know that his dad 
is not going to Auburn to try to be the offensive coordinator for four years. You know, your dad was had, you know, help help get the SMU program to where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Didn't work at Arkansas, ended up getting fired at Arkansas. He's going back to kind of rebrand, land back on his feet. But Chad Morris's goal over the next four years, I promise you, his goal is not to remain as the offensive coordinator at Auburn University. And I think I think Chandler knows this. And for that reason, and you look at Oklahoma where he was already a heavy lean. I think he's coming to I think he's coming to Oklahoma for that reason. I mean, yeah, it's one thing if his dad is the head when his dad was the head coach at Arkansas, that's one thing. But when your dad who has head coaching experience at his previous two stops at SMU where he was highly successful, at Arkansas where it didn't work, his his vision is not to maintain that position for 4 years. His vision is to get back as the guy, the guy on the sidelines. And for that reason, like I said, I I think I think this kid ends up being Oklahoma's quarterback for 2020. Uh, at the time of recording that, we're six days away from the early signing period opening up. What we'll just call first signing period, and later we'll have second signing period. But I believe when it comes to Chandler Morris, if he makes the trip to the University of Oklahoma and he signs or anywhere, if he signs anywhere on the 18th, I believe that it will highly favor Oklahoma, that type of decision. If he bumps it back to February 5th of 2020, I think Oklahoma begins to lose lose that name in the shuffle. And, and again, I'm going to disagree just because you've got a family that's moving. You know, the mm-hmm. kid plays football in Dallas. His dad was the head coach at, at Arkansas. The Moving to Alabama, he's going to graduate high school I mean, obviously they're going to keep him in Dallas where he's played this season and won a state championship last year. I don't know that it's, it's a bad thing if we don't hear from him beginning on December 18th, just because of everything that's going on with the family. I, it could be what you're saying is true. I just don't know if I can get on board with it. Okay. We'll see when that day comes around. Um, that's just, it's just a hunch, an idea, a gut feeling that I have when we're discussing the name Chandler Morris and the two potential signing days. Okay. Real quick, before we close out, Vince Young gives some high praise for, uh, Jalen hurts says, uh, Oklahoma sucks, but he loves Jalen hurts. Okay. Well, we got our thoughts about Vince Young that we'll just keep to ourselves. Um, ESPN released its list of 150 greatest coaches, Four from the University of Oklahoma make the list. Um, I mean, there's it's just it's that it's that slow time of the season right now uh, for news. Uh, we're recording this, and then the ESPN award show is about to happen. Um, City Lamb, real fast, because by the time people get this, it will have been decided. But you're on record ahead of time. City Lamb, is he going to land? Lamb, is he going to win the Bolitnikoff or not? I really Jamar Chase or CeeDee Lamb. That's the only two choices here. Right. And I, I really believe that CeeDee Lamb is worthy of the award, but I believe Jamar Chase takes it home because of because of the season that LSU is having collectively. Regardless of individual experiences, regardless of individual production, CeeDee Lamb's best claim to fame this year is in yards per catch. 
He's not going to have the most receptions. He's not going to have the most total yardage, but he will be at the top of, towards the top of the list, if not at the top of the list, in yards per catch. And ultimately, I, I think that that one loss from Oklahoma hurts him in this one. Yeah, I don't I don't know that um again this is sticking with the theme of the night. Um I'm going to disagree with you. Um I hope you're right. Well, but here's what it comes down to for me is I I well, first of all, to your point, I think the Maxwell award, I would agree with you 100%. If it was if things were closer between Jalen Hurts and and Joe Burrow, uh, that would I feel like that would come into play with most voters. Heisman I feel like that comes into play with most voters. For me, when I I I get to vote for the Bolitnikoff, and what I, I tried to be as objective as I possibly could with these two guys, where Chase has more yards. When you look at touchdowns, yard per catch average, you know, CeeDee Lamb is astronomical in yards per catch. He's twenty almost twenty-one yards per catch. Mm-hmm. But name me, this is what it came down to for me. I, I watched film on both of them. Of course, I've been watching CeeDee Lamb all season long. I do think it might have hurt him a little bit to miss that Baylor game because of the the medical issue. But name me a player in the nation, in all of college football, who's more dangerous with the ball in his hands than CeeDee Lamb. I honestly can't. And that's what it came down. That's why when I voted— Jonathan Taylor? I don't don't even think he's as dangerous as CeeDee. I really don't. I don't either. Um, because Jonathan Taylor is a power guy, mm-hmm. but CeeDee Lamb is a power guy and a speed guy. Um, and, and he's also well, shifty. Right. I mean, CeeDee Lamb's not I, trying it, to cut through an offensive I actually, line. I actually did a, I actually did an interview earlier today with a, another outlet about this very thing. And here's, here's what I said here. Cause they were like, Oh, you know, you know, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, you know, and yeah, you're a little bit of a homer when I said I took CeeDee Lamb number one, but here's what it came down to for me. Go back to the Texas game. And you can pick just about any touchdown, but I, you remember the one the touchdown where he's got like, he's bracketed. He's got six guys around right. him. He mm-hmm. ends up scoring from that play to what we saw last Saturday in Arlington, the 77 yard run after the catch that he had with, you know, in that first quarter, that was an amazing play. And in between those two, those two games, you've got about four or five, maybe even six, a half a dozen plays that CeeDee Lamb with the ball in his hands just made you think, how do you do that? Right. And I, I don't get that from Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went with CeeDee Lamb, number one. That's going to wrap it up for us. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Thanks for listening to Sooner Nation Podcast. You can catch us online at Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. We're on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, you can find the Student Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on um, Spotify. We're on TuneIn. We're on iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to us, don't don't just keep listening. Well, I mean, we do want you to keep listening, but give us a positive ranking. Uh, we would appreciate that as well. Uh, we'll be back next week to really start breaking down Oklahoma, LSU, and the Peach Bowl. Boomer Sooner, everybody. Have a great weekend.